You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. And welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity and infinite combinations. My name is Sarah, and thanks for tuning in. With me today are Eliza. Hello. And special guest Bonnie Gordon, voice actress extraordinaire and the new computer on Star Trek Prodigy, premiering October 28th. Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us today. I was like, that's me! <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Bonnie, woo! <laughs> get Benny Bomb! <laughs> Before we get into our main topic, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar per month and get awesome rewards from thanks on social media up to silly watch along commentaries. Visit www.patreon.com slash women at warp for more info. You can also visit our Tee Public store for women at warp merch and other non-podcast specific Trek designs at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. So jumping right into this, Bonnie, I hear you've been a Trekkie for like forever. <laughs> do you remember how you were introduced to Star Trek? Uh, I do actually. Well, it's funny because I I am definitely a hardcore Trekkie, but uh, I wasn't into Star Trek when I was young. I was more of a fantasy geek. I was a Lord of the Rings dressing up as Bonnie Baggins in my room, running around as a hobbit. Um, I was a fantasy geek, fantasy nerd. Like my whole room was wizards and dragons. And I remember Star Trek being on, you know, sometimes when my parents were watching it. And I recognized, I was like, that's Whoopi Goldberg. And, you know, I remember Guinan, who was always one of my favorite characters. And I remember watching it going, huh, this is interesting. But I never really jumped into it head first like I did until I started working at the Star Trek experience. You worked at the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas. That is so amazing. So what did you do there? I was one of the actors, and that's what really got me into Star Trek. And also, like, as I got older, you know, I I did get more into sci-fi, and I loved Star Wars. I still love Star Wars. You can like both, everybody. Just That's my public (laughs) service announcement. You can like both, but it tricks better. Anyway. Absolutely. (laughs) Whoops. Did I let that slip? (laughs) So I started working at the Star Trek Experience in Las Vegas. This was back in, like, 2007, 2008. I was part of the closing cast. I BSed my way through that audition so, (laughs) so well. I, you know, you know, I I consider myself an improviser and they make you improv in the audition. And, you know, if if something happens during the show or, or during the attraction, you have to be able to improv with guests while they fix things up as a Starfleet officer. So they were asking me a bunch of questions and I would just be like, I can't answer that. That would that would break the prime directive, you know, all the, everything. Like, so I just wouldn't answer anything uh, and just start asking questions about their, you know, I would, I, oh God, I came up with this horrible, I, I would be like, I actually studied like 21st century um, music back at Starfleet Academy. And I was curious, why on earth would you put a room so c- cold um, with a baby bassinet and, and they would just be looking at me, what? And I was like, could someone please explain what chilling in the crib? <laughs> it was so silly. Like, I would I would do stuff like that, like pretend like complete ignorance on, you know, current things happening. So, yeah, I BSed my way through the audition. And as soon as I, I did get cast, the, you know, the director pulled me aside and goes, by the way, I, I can tell you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> start watching Star Trek. And I went, 
oh, okay, so I didn't do as well as I thought I did. And that's that's what got me into it. I started watching Star Trek as research and then just kind of jumped in and went, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And to be surrounded by it day to day at work mm. also helped. Mm-hmm. You know, I became so familiar with the species. You know, the fact that we had Ferengi in the, you know, in the gift shop haggling prices with tourists. You know, I it, it, the, the minute I was introduced to the Ferengi in the show, I was like, oh, I know I know where this is going. <laughs> um you know, we had a we had a quirks at the Star Trek experience. We had Klingons walking around, you know, yelling at people at their dinner. You know, it, it was just such an immersive, amazing experience that I wish was still around today because I think I would appreciate it so much more being the Trekkie that I am now. So were you in Quarks or were you in the gift shop? Or were you just wandering around? I was part of a Starfleet. I was a Starfleet officer. There, I don't know if you've, you've ever been, but there was two attractions as part of the Star Trek experience mm-hmm. that were kind of like you were loaded into a room as if you were going on to a ride. And then all of a sudden the instructional video would start, you know, going um, white noise, like <sighs> The lights would start flickering and then everything would go black and you would hear like a big whooshing sound and the transporter room, uh, the transporter sound. And then the lights would come back on and all of a sudden you're in the transporter room on the Enterprise. And you're like, what the? I remember doing that. And that was like the most amazing experience of my entire life. It was an incredible illusion. Yes. Um, Basically, what it was is uh, the group of people that you were with. One of you is a direct ancestor of Picard and the Klingons found a wormhole and were trying to um, pull, you know, the group of Taurus out in the Enterprise intercepted. And so now you're on the Enterprise. And as soon as you arrive on board, Captain Picard has disappeared. You know, all the Starfleet officers are running around. We get you to the bridge. Riker appears on the screen, you know, has a conversation. We realize we have to get them back. We have to get these people to the shuttle bay, get them back through the wormhole to their own time. So it, it's it's so fun. You know, you're on the bridge. You're, you're put into a turbo lift. You know, it goes to red alert. Everything's happening. And then once you get to the shuttle bay, that's when you realize, oh, this is the ride. And when you get into the shuttle bay, bay you're flying through the wormhole, th- flying over Vegas in a Starfleet <laughs> shuttle. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, I wish they still had it. I could go. I could talk the whole podcast about how amazing the star the Star Trek experience was. Everybody loved it. If you mention it now, like every Trekkie who has ever been there will just like sigh. <laughs> it was special. I'm so bummed that I didn't get to go. I was so new to L.A. and I had never been to Vegas and I just didn't know it existed. I didn't know it was there. Yeah. So I didn't know it existed till I worked it. So and I was living in Vegas, you know, mm. when I saw the audition casting for it, I was like, oh, sci fi. This is fun. I had no idea how much it would change my life. It also sounds like a really like a dream job for a gigging oh, actor. Gosh. It sounds so much fun. It really was. I would have I would get in trouble. So something that I would do would be I would um you know there were continuous shows coming through. We all had like a revolving schedule or revolving um places like one one show I'd be in St. Thomas, one show I'd be this, one show I'd be that. I would be standing in the transporter room and if I was playing that role for like a few you know, shows to kind of keep it interesting for myself. Every time a new group would come through, uh, be transported into the transporter room, I would change my accent. You know, I'd be like, you are no longer in the year 2008. You are in the future, you know, and I'd be like, you know, welcome to Starfleet. You know, it was all that kind of thing. And then um, 
I got in trouble when I did the whole, you are no longer in the year 2008. Like, I got in big trouble for that one. They were just like, oh. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's great. So you, we know that you have this amazing experience as, as having been an actor in the Star Trek experience in Vegas. Um, but that's not even the end of your, like, your, the cross between your professional work and your fandom. Because I know you from the Star Trek TTRPG universe that we are both a part of. So, yeah, can you tell us about your experience on the show that we did together and then also on the more recent Star Trek TTRPG show? And maybe even let's, like, describe what TTRPGs are very briefly for people, just in case people haven't heard of that. Uh, Sure. So TTRPG stands for tabletop RPG. Uh, I think the best example to give... And RPG means role-playing game. Oh, yeah. I should probably break it down. Tabletop role-playing game. Uh, I, I think the one most people are most familiar with would be something like Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you know, you're sitting around a table with a group of players. You have a, a GM, a game master who who takes you on this adventure, and you're basically improvising as these characters and the choices you make and the dice that you roll determines the outcome of the story. It's it's a blast. And yes, I know you from Geek and Sundry. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that show was so special. It was called Shield of Tomorrow. It's all on YouTube if you want to find it. When I say what a crew the USS Sally Ride had, oh my goodness. We were super tight. <laughs> like, we were. I think the first few episodes we definitely, you know, it was it was like a learning curve. We didn't quite right. we didn't quite have our footing. Mm-hmm. But once we got into the story and into our characters, I mean, I felt like we could do no wrong. A Lark Sage will always be such a a um special character. Yeah. I think she's probably the most my favorite character I've ever created, which honestly, I watched uh, Star Trek Discovery now and go, well, I created Ensign Tilly because I feel like they're the same person, like genius engineer, mm-hmm. socially awkward. Very yeah, similar. Yeah. It's so interesting. So mm-hmm. That show is so close. Yeah, it's so close to my heart as well. Oh, you were so good in it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I feel the same way about my character, Talon. Just like that's one of the favorite, my favorite characters I've ever created in anything or played in anything. So how did playing Star Trek as a TTRPG inform your professional work as an actress and also your fandom? Well, honestly, being a part of the cast of Shield of Tomorrow just reinforced my love for Star Trek. You know, I always loved it, you know, from after working the experience and, you know, watched a lot, you know, got really got into it um, in my (laughs) in my later years. I really got into it and being a part of Shield of Tomorrow just – it was like doubling down, you know, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm now – I felt like a part of the universe, you know? Yeah. Eric took us on such an adventure and when that show ended, it was like a hole was left in my heart where it was like, oh, no. And now we've just just finished and concluded the adventures of Clear Skies, which is another TTRPG that we were doing on Twitch on the Q Times channel. And that one is just as as special. You know, it kept us going through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We did most of the show remotely via Zoom of the second season. And it just shows how special Star Trek is. So many people would tune in and watch just to escape what was happening in the world today. And, you know, Star Trek, I think, is the future we all want. Mm -hmm. Or at least we can all hope for is 
the exploration, the excitement, the meeting new species, the 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 wanting the peace with others and you know not having to worry about hunger, not having to worry about money, not having to worry about all of these materialistic things that kind of turn us against each other. Yeah, Star Trek special. Yeah. I mean, I think very few people can say that they've been a part of two long-running Star Trek TTRPG campaigns. Well, I'm happy to be called one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and they were they're both publicly available for people to watch. So Yes, yes they are. Check them out on YouTube. You have a unique experience there. I do. You know what's so great too is you know, segueing into my journey with getting to be a part of Star Trek Prodigy, coming in as as a fan. You know, yes, I am a professional voiceover actor. I, I It's what I do. But coming in as such a big Trekkie, there was never so much on the line than this audition for me. You know, I was just – I was like, I have to get in this show. No, I, like, I don't know – I don't know what I have to do, who I have to bribe, what what strings I have to pull. I just I need to make sure my audition is heard. Yeah, I I was so excited when I got that call. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I want to know, like, how did you start uh, voice acting? But also, yeah, I'd love to hear you share some of the process of getting cast as the computer, the ship's computer. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, wait till you t- wait till I tell you what I what I also got to do on the show. So. Uh, voice acting. I've been a voice actor for about 10 years now. Uh, no. Oh, gosh. It's already 2021. Probably like 12, 13 years. Uh, I started out doing theater. I was a musical theater major, um, opera minor. And so my voice was always an instrument for me. I was a mimic. I can do a lot of different um, characters, different ages. You got to do the one for us at some point in this interview. What? Oh, understood. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was very lucky. I got cast in a in a show when I first moved to L.A. It was a 1920s radio show, but it was a, a live play that we recorded live in front of an audience. And But it was with the most amazing voice actors, which all of you will recognize these names. People like Matt Mercer and Talison Jaffe and Kyle Abair was a guest on it quite a bit. And so I was surrounded by these, you know, such talent in the VO world. And they were the ones who really pushed me mm. to take that jump and start voiceover. Um, they really encouraged me to join the community. They put opportunities in my way that I probably would not have had otherwise. So I really have people like Mercer and Talison to thank for really giving me that like push out of the nest, jumping from theater to voiceover. Amazing. And I started doing, you know, small video games, uh, anime, I, which I still do uh, a lot of video games and anime that I think that's what most people would know me for, like Street Fighter, Mega Man, Fire Emblem. And then I got lucky. uh there's a show on Cartoon Network that, uh, that was called Mighty Magiswords, and the creator of that show was also a fan of the Library Bards, the comedy nerd band I perform with with uh, Xander Genre. And they hired us to be part of the premiere of the Mighty Magiswords show. And we got up and sang a bunch of songs, and one of the songs we did was about the show, and we, we did a bunch of voices in the song. 
And that's when um, Kyle Carozza, the creator of the show, was like, you do voices? Mm. I was like, why, yes, I do, sir. I do, I do. <laughs> and then he started writing me into his show. So I was on two seasons of Mighty Magiswords playing random characters. It was great. There were days when I would walk in and just go, <laughs> and do like baby gurgles. And that was my job. And then I'd leave. <laughs> Bonnie, your baby, uh, your baby sounds are uncanny. <laughs> oh it's, gosh every time I hear them I'm like oh god Ugh, my voice is a little real. tired but let's see if I can back up and do <laughs> it's it makes going out to a fancy dinner awkward when I get that request but <laughs> you're like where's my entree <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I ordered the filet mignon. (laughs) So how did you make the jump from cartoons to Star Trek? Oh, my goodness. So I heard about Prodigy and Lower Decks. And I mean, I, I remember when it was first announced before they even started casting. I remember tweeting it out into the universe as a professional voiceover actress and a Trekkie. How do I audition for these? I never got an answer when it came to Twitter, but <laughs> I was so lucky that um, one of my agents over at Media Artist Group, uh, Raphael, he found the breakdown for Prodigy. And I, I didn't even have a voiceover agent at the time. He was my he's my theatrical commercial agent. And he <laughs> was like, I don't know how this came across our desk, but I'm going to send it to you because I know this is right up your alley. And then uh, – Shout out to my friend Q, who pulled some strings to make sure that it would definitely get listened to. I I initially auditioned for the role of Gwen. And I got a callback for Gwen. This was, again, this was back in 2019. People don't realize how long Mm. we have to wait before even, you know, things start getting made and things start being released and we can announce things. So this was back in 2019 when I got the callback for Gwen. And then uh, early 2020, I I get a call saying that they can't, you know, officially offer me the role, but they want me to come in and do Scratch for Gwen because they still haven't cast Gwen. You know, they want kind of a bigger name for her since she's one of the leads, but they needed someone to come in and lay down the Scratch vocals, which which in voiceover terms, meaning I would come in, record the lines so animators and artists have something to work with an audio track to to create the, the character and the nuances of the character. So I got to be the scratch voice of Gwen for about 10 episodes and it was amazing. Not only that, Aliza, you're gonna you're gonna love this. I got to do the scratch for Captain Janeway. Yes. That was amazing. So they, you know, of course we recorded all of this during the pandemic remotely. So it was hard, you know, they didn't have a timeline of when they could get Kate Milgrew into a studio. So they had me they had me record all of Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager's lines. It was wonderful. I got to join Starfleet and be a captain for a few episodes, Captain Janeway. It was it was so much fun just to mimic her voice and it's not perfect, but you know, I probably need a cup of coffee to really nail it. You need some uh, coffee? I know a nearby nebula you could get some in. Uh, ex- yep, that was the joke. <laughs> but for real, I should probably get some coffee. 
<laughs> but you know, I got so yeah. That's like something I haven't really gotten to announce yet. Except this is the first time I'm announcing it. I got to do scratch for Gwen and Janeway. I can't tell you anything about the show except it's incredible. Mm. I honestly can't wait. And so I was doing scratch, and a huge shout out to the Hageman brothers, uh, Dan and Kevin, the creators of the show. They were so kind to me. They knew I was a huge Trekkie. You know, every day I got to record with them, I was, you know, practically shaking. I was so excited. And they could just tell how much this project meant to me and how much it meant that I was working on it with them and, like, getting to be a part of Star Trek. And they were like, we think we have a role for you. And and I was like, what? And that's – and, I, of course, I still had to audition. But uh, I, was, I was officially – of given the role of the ship's computer around I think early or late spring early summer of this year and I was just uh, I I remember getting that phone call and just jigging in the living room and crying and could be first off you know Majel Barrett Roddenberry is just a huge she's amazing first off mm-hmm. and to be able to follow in her legacy her footsteps is a dream come true. Uh, honestly, her her live action roles are just oh incredible. <laughs> and so here's here's how I think. I'm like, okay, I'm starting out as the computer. Maybe, just maybe, my this is how my legacy in Star Trek begins, and I can I can audition for a live action role later down the line. I had that <laughs> same thought when you started talking about Majel. I was like, what if Bonnie is the ship's computer now? And then in like 20 years, she, she's like the new Luxana Troy. Oh, ah! <laughs> that character, like that character is, is one of my favorites ever created. It's Me such a, too. What a hoot she is. Oh, she's a dream. Just unapologetically herself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I would love to play. I would love to play an alien character. I yeah. love being having prosthetics on my face. I have <laughs> my face did, never sweats. It's like a weird thing. That's so good I, for I've done, prosthetics. Yeah. I, yes, I've done gigs before where I've like I've been in Grinchmas where I was a who, and the makeup artists would fight over who would get to put <laughs> their prosthetics on me because they knew they would never have to touch me up for eight hours. They would just stick on my face and not move. <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, if the universe is listening, I should I should be an alien. <laughs> yeah, and your vocal range, like all the things you can do with your voice, I feel like you would be. Yeah, you could like create a very cool, either an original alien, and then create the the sounds yeah. for them, like how See, the language. We're just sounds. coming up with all kinds of things. Yeah, or you could you know? play a classic. I play a classic alien. Exactly. You have range. She has the range, folks. She has the range. <laughs> But does she have the range? I feel like we need to start a campaign to get Bonnie mm-hmm. into I know. Oh, my makeup. gosh. Oh, yeah. I don't, we need a hashtag. I can't think of oh, yeah. Change.org. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Petitions. Hashtags. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, dear. Fan casting. Oh, We're fan dear. casting Bonnie as all the things in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'll accept all of this. So, Bonnie, I know you can't tell us anything about the show, but can you at least give us a preview of the computer voice? Oh, of course. And also, you know, what I can tell you is what's already been kind of released you know it's it's a group of young kind of i would say misfits who come across a starfleet ship and um you know they're exploring they're they're escaping their circumstances exploring space uh being chased by all kinds of you know circumstances circumstances all kinds of 
people. We'll, we'll say that. I can't give anything away. I'm just like, oh gosh, what has been revealed? I know they're, they're you know, like the, 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 you know, the villains' names have been revealed and the voice actors and and whatnot. But you know, I I don't want to go into any details mm-hmm. and break NDA. But I will say this, you know, as a Trekkie, every script that I got that I got to read. Every episode just gets better and better. Shout out to the writers because you can tell these writers, they love Star Trek. And they, like, every episode comes from a place of love. I would I would be reading it going, this is like a dream. This is a Star Trek dream episode. Like, what? Every every fan, every episode is has a, just has something for hardcore Trekkies that they're going to, they're going to love. How exciting. And Janeway's in it. Come on. Janeway. Janeway's there. I have not been so excited for a kid's cartoon in a very Mm -hmm. long time. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, yes, it is for kids. But honestly, you know, it's it's a lot of action adventure. It's it's a lot of heartfelt moments um, and emotion. I feel like. Yes, this is a show for kids, but it's really a show for families. It's a show for Trekkies of our generation and older to sit down and watch with kids to give them their introduction to Star Trek. It's like, okay, I, you know, we can't sit and enjoy the next generation yet. You're a little too young for that. You're not quite, it's, you know, you're not quite getting the excitement from it like we do, but this show ultimately can introduce kids to Star Trek. And it also, you know, what I love about it too is the the, these kids that find the the ship, they don't know what Starfleet is. They don't know anything about Starfleet, so they're learning about Starfleet with the kids watching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This it's 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 the kids' introduction to Starfleet and the the um, the heart of Starfleet and what Starfleet stands for. And I really feel like it has so much heart and it's so special. I just can't wait. Honestly, October 28th is just too long. (laughs) I'm really glad the kids have that now because, you know, when I was a kid, you watched Next Generation and there was Wesley and that was kind of your introduction as a kid to Star Trek, but it wasn't really for kids. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. This is a a special show. I'm trying not to get all teary-eyed about it, like just to be a part of something that's so special. Oh. I couldn't ask for like – for like my career, it's just – I can't believe that I get to say I'm in Star Trek. You know, it's crazy. I mean, enjoy it. Enjoy every yeah, second I of will. it for all the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always skirted around the edge, you know, with the Star Trek experience and, and the TTRPGs. It's like, oh, I'm not quite canon, but, you know. Uh. <laughs> You've been a semi-pro, like, a, not even. <laughs> like, it's hard to describe what that is. Like, when you're... Because, like, in the TTRPGs and in the Star Trek experience, you are a professional and you're getting paid to do it. But you're, I guess, yeah, you're right. It's like whether or not you're canon yeah, is we're not, the question. We're not yeah. canon. Right. Um, although mm-hmm. both of the ships in the TTRPG, the Star Trek TTRPG shows that you've done are beta canon, we can say, right? True, because they're on, they're on Star right. Trek Online, and Star Trek Online is considered, you know, it is considered uh, canon, part of the universe, right? I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, technically, if we want to get technical, Lisa, I am a Tribble. You are a Tribble, <laughs> and I'm a Vulcan. Lark, they captain. did make a Lark Sage Tribble, and I will say this, you know, I'm a Tribble. So, <laughs> do you have a Tribble noise? Of course, she does. No, I no? Guess I can make one. <laughs> I don't. I never. 
I think they have a very low, gentle purr. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Here, I'll, I'll di- direct you through it. Um, and, and I think my treble snorts and start going <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure it's a snorting treble because it's it's based off of me. So it'd probably be like a little... <laughs> <laughs> That's a new ringtone for all of you out there. There you amazing. go. <laughs> the snorting treble. Oh my goodness, amazing. So before we wrap up, we're going to need that sample of the computer voice because I am dying to hear it. <laughs> yes, yes. I do know in the trailer they have me say, um, deactivating gravity. But how about this? How about I say, um, thank you for listening to Women at Warp. Please subscribe at Patreon. Ah, sorry. Oh, like that. That so <laughs> We're going to use that for everything. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, your voice like completely changes. Wow, like, yeah. You, Thank you. You could do so much crime. <laughs> <laughs> Just by changing your voice. You know what I sometimes do is when I get those like those spam calls of like, you know, like you know, is Bonnie they're like you know they're like trying to sell you like an extended warranty on something that you don't even own. But I would always I'd, like I'd answer and I'd be like, "Hello." And they'd be like, "Hello. This is da da da." And I'd be like, "Hello." Thank you for calling Verizon for English. Press one, you know, and then they just be like, you can hear like this confused silence. And then they're like, they're like, hello. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Your request cannot be, you know, determined as, you know, it was, it's so silly. I'll just keep going and going. I feel like I need to next time go like for English, press one. For Klingon, press two. <laughs> Bonnie, it is yeah. unreal what you can do with your voice. It's unreal. Oh, thank you. You are a genius. <laughs> I say this as your friend and also just like as a fan of you. You're oh, amazing. You. <laughs> you are so dope. Uh, it's super fun. And, you know, getting to say things that a computer would say. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to give any of my I, – you know, I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say. You know, I haven't been in a situation like this mm-hmm. where I have to protect – Something so, you know, canon. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I was told what I can say. They were very sweet and told told me that I could tell everyone that I got to do scratch for Jane Way and Gwen. So that made me very happy. I was like, Yay! I was used, <laughs> not used. Like I was utilized, utilized. <laughs> your Jane Way voice got. To, I know. Yeah, One day I want to meet Kate Milgrew, and I was like, I was your scratch, and she'll be like, What on earth is that? What on earth is a scratch? <laughs> what does that mean? Who are you? Are you here to bring me my coffee? And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. I brought you all the coffee. Please, just just hug me. So, Bonnie, is there anything else you want to share about the show or about your journey getting there? I just want to say, you know, in this industry, everyone is so, you know, in entertainment. And, Elisa, you can vouch for this. Everyone, It's very competitive. Everyone's so – it's like – when they say it's cutthroat, like you never realize, you never realize how, how competitive it is until you move out here. And like, you're, you know, like I, when I say I, I'll, I'll submit like, uh, like 50 auditions a week for voiceover. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky if I book one every couple of months. So the fact that this is one that I was able to, it was like throwing a bunch of noodles on the wall and seeing what would stick. And the fact that this noodle was the one that stick it feels like such a blessing for me. It was kind of like being at the right place at the right time in the universe. For anyone who's looking to get in any type of entertainment industry, what I say always is just be kind. Be be you. Don't be 
Don't be fake. Don't be mean. You know, leave your ego at the door because honestly, the mo- all the jobs that I've gotten, especially with voiceover in the beginning, were because I went in, you know, did the job and was nice and pleasant and so grateful for the opportunities that the studios would want to work with me again uh, later down the line. And I feel like you can say that in any industry and just in life in general, just be kind to one another. You know, the world just went through such a horrible, you know, everything from like a horrible divide, everything from politics to the pandemic, from one P to the other. And I feel like we just have to be kinder to one another. And, you know, we're never going to have Starfleet unless we really work at living in unison and you know, I'm doing like the whole kumbaya speech, but I'm a big believer and like we can make the world a better place. And if we we just all have to do it together, it can't just be one person's job. And so everyone be kind to one another. Be the Star Trek future you want to see. Thank Yes. Be the Federation you want to see in the world. Yes. And on that note, Bonnie, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me all over social media at Bonnie Bell G. Uh, you can also check out my nerd comedy band with Xander uh, at Library Bards. We have a couple songs about Star Trek, including a music video uh, up on YouTube. So if, if you're a fan of Star Trek parody music, check those out. And also, um, this is something I've, I just recently started announcing as of like now. Uh, <laughs> in October sometime... It might have already have happened since this came out, but I am launching a Kickstarter for a solo album of my own original music. And one of the tracks on there, it's a it's a blues jazz album, and one of the tracks on there will be a medley of Star Trek themes um, that I'll be singing from like the Enterprise and original series. And I can't wait to make that. <laughs> so keep a lookout for Kickstarter for that and help me make beautiful music together. And Elisa, where can folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Aliza Pearl. So A-L-I-Z-A Pearl, P-E-A-R-L. I'm also on Twitch at Aliza, A-P-I-Z-A-L-I-Z-A and Ripley Improv on Twitch as well. And I, yeah, I do a lot of TTRPG stuff. So just follow me there and I'll announce what's going on. October is getting real packed with TTRPGs. So definitely keep an eye out for some stuff from me. <laughs> and I'm Sarah. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Miyoko, S-A-R-A-H, M as in Mary, I-Y-O-K-O. And you can find my fanzine Star Trek Quarterly on Facebook or at StarTrekQuarterly.wordpress.com. To learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. You can also email us at crew at womenatwarp.com. And for more Roddenberry podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.